0: Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together, we will reason through complex issues to find evidence based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. For some, it's like a cosmic version of hide and seek. For others, it can be so frustrating that they just give up altogether. What am I talking about? Finding God. There's even a song that says, I believe there is a God somewhere, although he's hard to see. Is he really that elusive? How should we go about looking for God? And more to the point, how will we know when we've found him? Common Reason Ministries is the sponsor of this program. Dr. Jennings joins us via Skype to offer some guidance. Dr. Jennings, what do we need to know?
1: I love the question because there are many people out here searching. Yes. And the first thing... The first requirement, in my understanding, to find God is you actually have to seek him. Hmm. There has to be some desire in your heart to want to find him. If you don't have a desire in your heart, you're not open to truth, you're not searching. Now, some people are searching. They don't even fully realize they're searching for God, but their heart is searching for truth. They're searching for a larger reality that makes sense, which is ultimately they're searching for God. But you have to be searching and seeking because Jesus promised seek and you will find. find. Yes, yes. But those who are not seeking, those whose minds are closed, those who have decided already there is no such thing as God and have shut down their perception and their willingness to pursue the question, then what happens when evidences come in? They just discount them and stay inside their box. And so. First thing that's required in finding god and where we find him we have to have a desire that's the, the first requirement okay. but then let's for those who are searching those who are open those who are willing to follow the evidences and truth there are many places that we find god and the scriptures tell us in romans 120 that god's divine nature has been clearly seen being understood from what has been made. Hmm. So the Bible tells us that we can look out into the world around us, into creation itself. And the creation itself is evidence of God in multiple ways, the complexity of life itself. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, if you are a Bible-believing person and you're going to any type of an educational system, high school, college, university, and they are promoting a godless worldview, they are promoting something that is not supported by science. Science no longer supports if you are an actually honest scientist that life began without an intelligence that Mm. began on its own. That's all fraudulent. Mm. They have to deny science and they believe something on blind faith without evidence to continue to teach this idea that there is no intelligence. And I'll give you the knife that will cut the heart out of their argument. And this is it. In every form of life that we understand it, you have three elements that are required. If you don't have these three, no life exists as we know it. You have to have physical matter, what makes up the, the various organisms. You have to have energy. And the third thing required is coded information that's usable that we find in the DNA and the RNA. Mm-hmm. It's not simply DNA molecules. The molecules themselves are like letters in the alphabet, A, B, C, D, E. But you have to arrange those letters into information that's usable, that codes for products. So it would be like saying we have the letters of the alphabet is not the same thing as having an encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. And everybody that is a reasonable evidence-based person understands that letters of an alphabet can never arrange themselves into an encyclopedia without an intelligence writing the encyclopedia. True. And that's what's in our DNA. Mm-hmm. And so it is incontrovertible truth that an intelligence was involved in the origination of life on planet earth you can have arguments over what that intelligence was some evolutionary biologists that don't believe in god now will take the position well it was aliens that seeded life here because they realize you have to have an intelligence that mm-hmm. just begs the question where the aliens come from or That's or true. perhaps they're confusing modern language for genesis 1 1 which, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, in the beginning, an extraterrestrial intelligence terraformed planet Earth and put life here. That's Genesis 1, mm-hmm. just in more modern language. The first place we look, we can look into nature and we can see it through the complexities of life itself and the coded information in all living organisms' genetic material. Second, though, we look at the very laws upon which life is built and compare that with what is described in Scripture. And we might call these laws of nature, might call these laws of health, laws of physics, but these are protocols upon which reality works, and the Bible describes life operates on a principle called love. And love is a principle of giving. It's beneficence. It's other-centered. It's not self-seeking, according to 1 Corinthians 13. Now, you can test that into science and nature. When we look into science and nature— Is there any life that doesn't give or does all living systems freely give in order to live? So every breath you take, you give away carbon dioxide to the plants and the plants give oxygen back to you. This is an ecosystem of free giving that life is built upon. But if you transgress that law of Life, love, or respiration, and tie a plastic bag over your head and selfishly hoard your carbon dioxide to yourself. The wages of that is death. Yes. This is what scripture is truly teaching. Mm-hmm. So we can see, and there are multiple design laws like this built into reality by our creator God that speak of his intelligence and his supremacy. Other places we can find God, and we find God in the scripture itself as long as we're willing to harmonize that scripture with science and nature and life's experiences. One of the problems that have turned many people off to God is that people have read scripture through mystical or magical mindsets or legal human law mindsets that make up all kinds of beliefs that are inconsistent with reality and don't make sense and require the suspension of thinking and reasoning. Like here's one, it is a sin to murder, but if you go in the crusade and kill people, you will have your sins erased and have eternal life. Wow, wow. This was the dark ages. It made no sense at all. Or God is love. He only wants your love. But if you don't love him, he'll torture you in hell because you don't love him. But he really loves you. Mm -hmm. These things make no sense at all. And the only way to believe them is to suspend any type of reason and thinking. And so many thinking people rejected the view of God because of magical, mystical, or distorted penal legal views of God coming out of the dark ages. That doesn't mean the Bible isn't true, it just means it was decoupled from its anchors in reality, the laws and science and nature, and our, our real-life experience is how reality works. Mm-hmm. So, Scripture, very powerful source, and needs to be used, but it needs to be anchored in reality. Other places we find God, we see God in every act of kindness, compassion, comfort, relief of suffering— genuine love and mercy are all outworking of a intelligence that is not natural to the human heart. The human heart is naturally self-centered and any arguments about humans naturally being compassionate and loving, they're just wishful thinking. They're simply not true. Mm -hmm. The human heart is egocentric since Adam's fall. And when we see the work of grace in the heart, or here's another place you can see God, where you see a reprobate, somebody who was truly anti-social, working for their own self-interest, harming others, become converted and become truly altruistic, set up foundations, minister to other people, give of themselves to help and benefit. You see that transform life. That's a place you can see God at work.
0: You know, I'm looking at this list here, and I'm recognizing you probably already know this because you were creating the list for us, but it it kind of needs to be done in this order that you're giving. We begin with a desire. We can look at the natural world, we can learn about the design laws, then we then we go to scripture, and then we look for acts of kindness in the human realm. This is a beautiful progression of finding God, Dr. Jennings.
1: I didn't actually set it up that way, but you're, yes, that's, it's mm. right. And of course, ultimately, the ultimate place to find the clearest picture about God is in the life of Jesus Christ. Mm. Jesus is God incarnate. And if you really want to know what God is like in character, in method, in motive, in action, what he does with power, then you read the four gospels and you ask the entire way through, what does Jesus reveal to me about God? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father, the father and I are one. And what you see in John 13, when all power was given to Jesus, he got down on his knees and washed feet. In other words, Jesus always used power to bless others. He never sought to put self at the center. He always uplifted others and he always gave the glory to his father. He didn't take glory to himself. Right. And then when he was being abused, when he was being falsely accused, when he was being treated unjustly, in other words, when injustice was happening to him, the innocent of God being crucified under perjurious testimony, etc., he never used power to stop them. He left people free. This is how God governs. So if you ever wondered, well, you're taught all the time, if you stole a cookie and you didn't ask God to forgive it, he'll burn you in hell for it. Okay? Much less if you spit in his face and beat him and crucify him. Well, in fact, Jesus revealed the opposite is true. When he was being beaten, spit upon, and crucified, he forgave them. He did not use power to punish them. This is fraudulent, this idea of God using power to punish God never uses power to actually harm or injure. He only uses power to heal and to save. And anybody who thinks they have Old Testament stories that say that don't understand the stories. It would be like seeing a surgeon doing surgery on somebody and saying, oh, look at that person mutilating that body. No, they're saving somebody, but it's maybe a painful procedure. God is always working to heal and to save, and it might be painful in the process, but he is not the source of pain, suffering, and death. And so there is pain and suffering from sin, But it doesn't come from God. It comes from rejecting the healing that God is offering us. And so Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They think they're killing me. They're actually cutting themselves off from their only source of life, and they're going to suffer and die for it.
0: You know, the problem as I see this, Dr. Jennings, for instance, the design laws, the natural world, we see a lot of destruction and survival of the fittest and the best man win in the natural world. But that's a natural world that has become unnatural because of Satan.
1: Am I right in saying that? That's right. So, in this world, Paul, who wrote in Romans 1 that God's divine nature is seen in what he has made, in Romans 8 writes, and all nature groans under the Mm, weight of sin. So, nature, as we see it today, there's two competing forces fighting in nature. God's principles of other-centered love that we still see are being opposed by the principles of survival of the fittest, me first, taking and killing. Those two principles, and that's the law of sin and death that the scripture talks about. Taking and killing, if it's not stopped by the principles of self-sacrifice, ultimately kill the one who takes and kills.
0: Mm. Okay, listener, there is the list right there for you. You begin with the desire in your heart. You go to the natural world and you look at the design laws. The design laws as God designed them, not as Satan has broken and bent and mutilated them. You can find them. Dr. Jennings makes that very clear. And then you look at scripture and especially the life of Jesus. You look for the acts of kindness in the world. That's where you can find
1: God. Dr. Jennings, these are beautiful guidelines for us. Thank you. And if people want to know more about the design laws, just go to our website, com, and type in the search engine there on that page, Design Laws. We have beautiful blogs written about that, and you can see them just outlined for you.
0: You know, let's make this really practical right now. The program is about to come to the end, and the end music will play, and the people will look out their window, and they'll say, okay, what do I do now? How is the best way for us to begin this journey, Dr. Jennings?
1: Well, first have a desire in your heart and have a mindset that loves truth and say, I'm a finite being, but I want to grow in truth and I want to be persuaded in my own mind. And you ask God to help lead you down the path of truth and then keep your mind open for the truths that come and be willing to reprocess your beliefs through new light, new ideas and new concepts as they come along. Amen to that,
0: and just read about the life of Christ, and suddenly, suddenly, all of Satan's lies become obvious as you see how he reacted, Dr. Jennings, and how he responded, like you say, at the crucifixion. Father, forgive them for people who were spitting on him and crucifying him. That's a very different God than we're told,
1: usually, at church. You're exactly right, and it really roots in seeing him as creator and his laws as the design laws, rather than trying to understand it through a human legal system that always cur- ups it.
0: All right, comeandreason.com is the website listener. You can find, again, material on this topic. Dr. Jennings has made available also his books and blogs and television programs and radio podcasts. They're all right there at comeandreason.com. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries, and I'm so glad that Dr. Jennings has been with us today to talk about how we can find God. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time
1: we come and reason together.